Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for this awesome time of fellowship. Father, uh, we just thank you so much, Father, that your presence was here. It, it continues to be here, Father God, uh, in a mighty way, Father. The word of God says that in your presence is fullness of joy. And Father, we are full of joy right now. And we give you glory and honor and praise. Father, we ask your continued blessing as the word goes forth in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful time in the Lord we've had so far. Amen? All right, don't go to sleep on me now. I'm playing Angry Birds up here. Uh, we are continuing in, uh, with worship uh, in pursuit of God's heart. And uh, I'm just continuing along a similar train of thought uh, that we had last night. And I want to start, that we had last Sunday, rather. I want to start in the book of Philippians, chapter 3. And we're talking about the heart of worship. We're talking about what worship uh, is all about. And if you're new here today and, you know, it's not typical for you to experience uh, the worship service lasting so long. Uh, here at New Covenant Fellowship, we're all about God's presence. You know, we're all about relationship, our relationship with him and with our fellow man. And worship, the, the service isn't just a series of events for us. You know, worship isn't just a part of the service that we need to get that in so we can move on. Worship is an opportunity for us to enter into the presence of our God, in the presence of our King, to love on Him and be loved by Him, to get to know Him in a deeper and more intimate way. And so that is significant for us. And that, and that is why we invest the time that we do. That's why we look silly. That's why we act like idiots sometimes. And, and, and it may look crazy, but there's nothing crazy about it. Amen. Uh, it, it's a beautiful and wonderful uh, expression of love and adoration from us to our Father. Amen. And, and, and it is our hope that we all as a body, uh, new and old, you know, well, new and not so new, old, young, whatever, all just enters into the, and, and, to that freedom of expression. Do you just free to express your love and adoration for God uh, in a safe environment and not worrying about how so, whether someone's looking at you sideways or someone thinks you're a kook or not. Amen? All right. Philippians 3. It doesn't specifically say anything about worship here, but I believe that it contains the heart of worship in this passage. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth, say surpassing worth, of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. 
not having a righteousness of, of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. What is worship? Worship is a passionate desire to want to know him deeper than you know him already. A passion to want to get closer and more intimate with him. Because as much as you may know of God, there is so much more yet to be unveiled to you. Amen? Even though we're walking with him day by day by day, that relationship still needs to grow. There is st- he still desires to be known by us in a greater way. So I would say... When it's time to worship the Lord, don't look at it as a time to sing. Yes, we sing. Don't look at it as a time to, to, to lift our hands. Yes, we lift our hands. But it is an opportunity for us to get to know him. That requires not intellect, but passion. That requires not intellect, but desire. The motivation has to come from here. Amen? I believe that what is on God's mind when we worship him is not just how awesome we think he is, but how passionately our hearts desire him. I'm going to say that again. I believe that what is on God's mind when we worship him is not just how awesome we think he is, but how passionately our hearts desire him. Do we desire to know him as passionately as he desires to be known by us? I also believe that his main objective during worship is an intimate and loving encounter. Uh, I'll say that again, an intimate and loving encounter where he can be known by us in a deeper, more intimate way. The Bible says we are, that he's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And I believe, and I'm not going to take up much of your time today, but I believe to worship God in spirit and truth, uh, we must do a couple of things. And this is by no means exhaustive. I got some heavy hitters following me up and Pastor CJ and Greg. And, uh, you know, they're going to get more exhausted than I'm getting, but I'm just getting to the heart of the matter with you. All right? And, and, and we'll build something on that foundation. But the first thing... That we must do is cherish his presence. We can sing with the most beautiful voices and still not be worshiping the Lord. We can honor the Lord with our lips but fall short of cherishing his presence. 
Worshiping the Lord is about cherishing his presence above all else. Above the attitude of your kids. Above the spats with the spouse. Above all the things, all the problems in the world that Pastor CJ just spoke of. Above all else, above our own desires, above our own aspirations, above our anxieties, above all those things, we cherish his presence above all else. In Exodus chapter 33, I want you to turn there with me, 33 verse 12. In Exodus chapter 33, I believe Moses exhibited this. And starting in verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send me with. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, I put this in bold, teach me your ways so I may know you. You know, he's not saying, hey, arm me and equip me so that I can be successful in where you're telling me to go. He's like, show me your ways so I may know you. So he's focused on, he has a worshipful heart toward the Lord. I want to know you and continue to find favor with you. Continuing on. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, and I bolden this here, if your presence does not go with us, everybody say presence. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Now, there's an opportunity here to go to the promised land. They had that opportunity before. But they didn't have faith. They didn't trust in their God. And they didn't believe themselves capable of, of taking the land. And they thought about going back to Egypt. And so they end up in the wilderness. Here's an opportunity for that wilderness time to end. And what is he more concerned with? Not the end of the trial. Not the blessing to come. But the presence. Of God. He so cherishes the presence of God, he says, if your presence does not go with us, then leave us here. If your presence is going to remain here, this is where I want to be. I want to be with you, O oh Lord. If 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 going into the promised land means going there without your presence, I don't want to go there. As wonderful as it sounds. How many of us treasure the presence of God so much that we're willing to stay in the trial that we're in because that's where God is and that's where God wants us to be for the time being? How many of us are, I have this heart to want to stay there if that's where the presence is more than having the trial over and being in a blessed state of being without him? Sometimes we just want it over. I don't care, God, just end this thing. I'll wait for you. 
But honestly, and, I, and I've been there too, I'm not preaching at you, all right? I'm preaching at myself as well. But when, but when that's my attitude, what I'm saying is, Lord, as much as your, your presence is nice, but that's not the most important thing to me right now. You know, I want to be out of this situation and I want to be blessed. I want to feel good. I want things to be right in my life. I want that right now more than anything. That's why this speaks to me so much. I'm thinking, man, 40 years of just roaming, sleeping in tents, sleeping on the ground, not knowing where your next meal is going to come from, cranky people. Heck, I work for Kicker, and when we're on the road, we're about to go. Can I say heck? I'm sorry. We're about to go on the road and do the Hot Rod Power Tour. If you love cars, that sounds awesome. That sounds cool. But when you're in the setup and teardown crew, you know, it's nice to go to an event, set up, work that event a couple of days, tear down, go home. But the Hot Rod Power Tour is seven different locations in seven different days. So if you're the setup and teardown crew, you're setting up, you work the event, you close down at 7 p.m., you get in the truck, you drive 250, 300 miles to the next location, get there at 2 a.m., grab a couple hours of sleep, get up at 6 the next morning, set up at 7 o'clock, do the whole thing over again, wash, rinse, repeat seven times. By day five, you hate everybody. <laughs> you know, the stuff that was funny, not funny anymore. The little stuff that didn't bother you about one of the team members bothers you now. And you're having to deal with attitudes and you're having to work through it. That's why the team can't, be, can't consist of just anybody. It, it has to have certain types of people on it that can work through that. But that's just a week. This is 40 years. 40 years. And God has come and said, hey, it's time. You would think the leader would say, would jump for joy and say, all right, that's what I've been praying for. Let's go and get this thing done. But his response showed that he was less concerned about where he was than who he was with. And as we enter into his gates, I'll say enter into the doors of the church with thanksgiving, enter into the sanctuary with praise, this, the Cornell modified version, we have to get to a point, if we're going to be true worshipers, that worship him in spirit and truth, we're going to have to cherish his presence in that same manner. Where we're less concerned about where we're at in life. We're less concerned about our station in life. We're less concerned about where we are in relation to where we want to be than we are about whether, we, whether we're with God where we're at. If this is where God is, this is where I want to be. 
And God, I don't want to move until you say move. And when I move, I want, to, I want some assurances that you're going to move with me. Otherwise, what's the point? And the Bible says that in his presence, say presence, is fullness of joy. Amen? In his presence isn't just joy, it's fullness of joy. I want his presence. When I'm here, you know what? I could care less about y'all. In a, in a, no offense. Really, (laughs) no offense. But I don't care what anyone thinks. All right? If I want to get jiggy with it, I'm going to get jiggy with it. If I'm going to clap, raise my hands, sing out loud, shout, I, I do it at home. I'm going to do it here. You know, I'm not going to peek around and see what anybody thinks about it because I am willing to look like a fool giving glory to my God. But he says, Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. To me, that is a powerful statement. He actually prays, don't move us from here unless your presence is going to go to. Boy, to me, that's just powerful. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, I bolded this as well. Now show me your glory. I cherish your presence, but I want you to unveil yourself to me. I want to know you in a way that I have yet to know you. I already adore you because of who you are. I already already praise you for the things that you've done, but I know there's more to you than meets the eye. There's more to you than I know. I want to know you in a deeper and more intimate way. Show me your glory, Lord. And I believe that's what the the worshiper's heart is, is crying out. Lord, show me your glory. I want to know you in a deeper and more intimate way. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to do all those things, but, but there is an objective behind all of them. I believe in worship. We ought to be in awe 
of his presence and in love with him. In awe of his presence and in love with him. So to worship God in spirit and in truth, we must, one, cherish his presence. And two, y'all may have to go with me here a little bit. But two, it's kind of long, but it made sense to me. We, need, we must have a childlike expression of how much we cherish him and his presence. So cherish it, but a childlike, childlike expression of how much we cherish him and adore him. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 1. Where, where do I get that from? Well, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Uh, skip down to verse 3. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, some of the times that I miss, you know, my girls are older now. Bethany's graduating high school and uh, has making the transition to adulthood and independence and all those other good and scary things. But I just remember when they were just so little. I still get a little bit of this with Desiree because she's so small. But coming home from those rough days, all right, coming home from work, whether it was a good day at work, whether it was a rough day at work or whatever, as soon as I run the doorbell or as soon as my key hit the door, all of my little ones just went nuts. Daddy's home, and they just jump all over the place, man. And it was just whatever I was feeling when I got to that door, man, my spirits just lifted up, and all of a sudden, you know, a bad day becomes the most wonderful day. And then open the door, and they would just mob me. They're fighting each other for who gets that first place in daddy's arms. You know? And they were being kids. You know, adults, we'd never act like that. Not unless OSU's in a Fiesta Bowl and wear the Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, score a touchdown and stuff like that. Then we're all hugging. Yeah, he's like, I don't even know this guy, but yeah, he's wearing orange. It takes, you know, it takes something incredible. It takes something awesome for us to get riled up like that because, you know, we're, we're adults. We're mature now, you know. When I was a child, I thought it was a child. But I don't do that stuff anymore. But, you know, and, and my girls still like, express love to me, and, and it's still, we, our, our relationships have transitioned, you know, but still the same love and affection there. But, when, but there's nothing like that expression from the little kids that you get. And they don't, they, don't even, they don't even care. They don't even think about it enough to even wonder if this is protocol. They, they, they just could care less. 
You know, it's a free expression, free expression of how much they love you. They're just free in their expression of it. And that's, and that's the kind of expression God wants us to have. Just free. We don't care. This is our daddy. This is our Abba. This is our father. You know what? I cherish him. I love him. And when he comes here, I'm going to jump and I'm going to get excited, kind of like my puppy Shaq does now. He, 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 he's replaced him now. If you miss that, if your kids are older and you miss that, hey, get, get you a dog. A Labrador. Get yourself a Labrador. Labrador will, will fill the void. I can guarantee you that. But the, I'm going to finish out in 2 Samuel chapter 6. So I'd like for you to turn there if you have your Bibles, chapter 6. And... Just to very briefly kind of uh, set the stage here, the Ark of the Covenant has returned. David, they had a little mishap when uh, they didn't transport the Ark of the Covenant uh, correctly and began to fall and someone tried to catch it and the person died and then they got freaked out and they was like, well, let's get this thing over somebody else's possession. Let's Obed-Edom, yeah, yeah, let's get it over to him. And he had it for several months, and Obed-Edom was tremendously blessed. God's favor and grace was on him, and once King David was told that, he was like, all right, he didn't die, he's blessed, I believe that we can, I feel safe now, let's bring the Ark of Covenant to its rightful place. I don't think any less of him for that. But verses 14 and 15, it says, Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. I want you to think about Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, which I started with when we're when i'm going when i read this verse because he is expressing he's free in that all the he's the king but his crown is done compared to the excellency of not the knowledge of knowing him his robes mean nothing to him in his expression of his adoration and love for god his kingly dignity means nothing to him when it comes to expressing his love and adoration for his God. And here he is, the king. People bow to this dude. People revere this guy. He's a leader of men, a leader of warriors, a leader of a nation. And he just loses his mind in in expression to the Lord, just dancing his butt off. Taking off the ephod and everything. He is just free. He is just letting it loose. He's dancing, he's jumping, he's shouting and giving glory to God. Regardless of his position, regardless of his importance. Regardless of the audience, regardless of the setting, 
Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant is returning, which represents the presence of God. And he so cherishes the presence of God that that means more to him than anything else. More than his dignity, more than his position, more than the palace, more than what his subjects thought of him. He freely expressed his adoration to the Lord. That's how grateful he was for the presence of God. That's how much he cherished his wonderful presence. Amen? Verse 16, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. We'll see why later on. But here she is thinking, (laughs) here... Here we have the king behaving in an undignified manner. Imagine what his people must think about him now. She's concerned about how this looks. And he could care less about how it looks. Because that's how how precious the presence is to him. Amen? Skip down to verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household... Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Sometimes you got to learn how to read it with the appropriate attitude (laughs) for you to really get out of it what's meant to be getting out of it. And so, you know, that's as close as I can come to it, you know, heads wagging, (laughs) fingers snapping. How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his service as any vulgar fellow would. Y'all know. I know Father's Day is on the horizon. We fathers know. But David said to Michael, and I love this, he said, I was before the Lord. Think about that, though. I'm in the presence of God. Who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate the Lord. He puts things in perspective. I will celebrate him. He chose me. I'm before the Lord. I don't care about all that. I will become, as a matter of fact, I'll get even more undignified than this in my expression of my, of my love and adoration of him, in my expression of how much I cherish his presence. I don't care about dignity. My God is worth me being undignified in worship of him. I just love that. I was before the Lord. What are you talking about? And I love the fact that he said, look, I will even become even more undignified than this. And I will even, I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. 
So I looked at both of those expressions, both of them. At the heart of them was a cherishing of the presence of God. But where I distinguished, but where I distinguished between uh, Moses and David is you see that free expression in David. To where he would just, he would clown. He would act, he would act out foolishly looking. Didn't care, didn't want, didn't worry about it because it was just him and his daddy. And, and he was going to show love and express love for his daddy no matter how silly that it looked. And that's all I got. I think that's all that really needs to be said. When we're talking about worship and, 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 and we're talking about the heart of it, pursuing the heart of God. You want to know how David was called a man after God's own heart? Exhibit A right there. You want to know why Moses is so highly favored of the Lord? Exhibit B. So cherishing his presence that he'd rather stay in the wilderness. He'd rather forsake the promised land. If it meant being out of his presence. And I'm not going to do a, an, an altar call. I just feel like it's an opportunity for us to really cherish God's presence as we've done today, as we've done this morning, to cherish his presence and just freely express ourselves, freely express our adoration of him, freely express our appreciation of his presence and and our desire and passion to want to know him in a greater and more intimate way. And so I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you and I'm, I'm just calling you out. I'm going to challenge you to express that worship. As Caleb leads us in in, in this worship song, I just want you to give it to God and let it be an expression from your heart that, Lord, I cherish you above all things. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my
Father, your word says that you're looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. But you are looking for worshipers. And Lord, we thank you that we are and we are becoming the type of people that you are looking for. Because we choose to be worshipers. We choose to worship you. We choose to engage in worship. like we never have before. Father, I thank you that you are teaching us. I thank you that you are drawing us closer to you. And I thank you that at the same time you're giving us grace to embrace this word and actually apply it in our lives. That it won't be just a good thing that we agree with, but it will become a lifestyle. that we choose to worship and engage in worshiping you every day and not just at certain times but as we've been singing your praise will ever be on our lips Lord whatever we're doing whoever we are that we'll look for and take the opportunity just to love on you and to worship you because you're worth it and we thank you that you're so good and Lord, it's just amazing that you desire for us to draw closer to you. You desire that. And we choose to take you up on that. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. 
We bless you. We love you. And we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. But God bless you. You have an incredible week, and we'll see you next time.